the digital transition. Digital Transition, a podcast series created to assist those tasked with implementing digital strategies, where we will share our knowledge and experiences to support you in your transition. Welcome to the Digital Transition, podcast number 30, and our final episode for 2020. I'm your host, Nathan Hildebrandt, and today I'm talking with Dr. Marzia Bolparkin from MACE about the shift from LOD to level of information need. Before I talk to Marcia, I need to talk to you about our exclusive sponsor, NBS. Their NBS Chorus product enables a collaborative management of your specification and can be directly linked to your building model, allowing you to increase your productivity and reduce risk with a single point of truth. To learn more about NBS, head to their website, www.thenbs.com.au. Now on with the show. Thanks for coming back and taking the time to share more of your knowledge about LOD, my favourite thing, or level of information need, as we now call it, Marcia. Thanks very much. Thank you very much for the invitation. Very happy to be back. So firstly, Marcia, now for the listeners that haven't listened to our previous discussion, and I would actually be completely disappointed for listeners that haven't listened to it yet because it is one of my favourite topics, um, which is actually back at episode five for those that haven't listened to it. Uh, where we talked about LOD or level of detail. Um, Can you let us, or can you let our listeners that haven't listened to episode five yet know a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so uh, I'm Marta Volpani and uh, I work in London for MACE on digital innovation, building information modeling, and uh, I help clients to set their digital strategies and to to deploy them uh, both in the public and private sector, not just in the UK, but international level. And uh, one of my favorite topics is uh, uh, the... The, what it was, the LOD, and now we have this concept of uh, um, the level of information needed to discuss together today. And uh, um, I'm leading a group of experts at European level on this topic and uh, and also working at international level on standardization and um, also involving other activities, um, really passionate about innovation in our sector um, on the topic of terminology. So I'm a assistant editor of the BIM Dictionary. It is um, part of the BIM Excellence Initiative. Also, I invite everyone to have a look to the BIM Dictionary. It's been translated in 25 languages so far. And uh, and also working as ambassador of the UK BIM Alliance. And as you can hear from my accent, I'm originally from Italy. And I created a group, a group of uh, uh, Italians that work in the UK. It's called Italian Digital Transformation UK. So a lot of different activities. And last one that I want to also underline, I'm also really, really keen on linking academia and industry. So I enjoy, you know, working with students and and research in general. Now, one of the things that I think that you left out, uh, which is probably a very important point, is that you're actually one of the most educated guests that I've actually had uh, on my podcast. And you're actually a doctor. You've done your PhD uh, specifically (laughs) on uh, level of detail and uh, to, to kind of update it to level of information need. So you are the expert globally in this topic in terms of understanding all of this. Um, yeah, so I mean, uh, um, I started my career in, in research and uh, um, I wanted really to understand how we can improve, how we define information and how we exchange information. So I did a PhD at Politecnico di Milano in Italy and uh, during my PhD I've been working with uh, some of the most uh, advanced uh, client organization. So in, uh, in Boston with, uh, with Massachusetts Port Authority and uh, and then in London with the Minister of Justice. So uh, really working with the industry to find innovative solution and to, to improve the way that we, that we define um, our specification when we deal with the building information modeling. Yeah. So similar to all my other guests that I speak to have a very strong passion for making industry better. But 
Also for our guests that have neglected to uh, listen to episode five, do you just want to give us a short explanation about the company that you work for in Mace? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm I'm really glad to work for for Maze because uh, they they as a company, Maze is an international consultancy and construction company. Uh, really, that funding for you know uh, on exceptional people and they want to deliver excellent uh, excellence for um, you know our clients and uh, shaping a community, sustainable community. We're also committed to be zero net carbon. Uh, company in the next years and um, yeah so also we have we are active as I say in international level in five different hubs uh, also in Australia where you know you, you are speaking today uh, Nathan so um, yeah there is this spirit and our mission is always to find a better way of delivering things. So if you've ever been in London, uh, Mace uh, has been the company that beat the London Eye or the Shard from Renzo Piano, so quite iconic project. Also, we are working a lot on moving from uh, construction to production uh, with innovative solution, you know, with the built factory. We are working in different sectors uh, from data centers, uh, infrastructure, uh, pharmaceutical, uh, you know, public sector and so on. So really, we, we cover a lot of different industries. Yeah, it's, it was it was ex- ex- exciting hearing the story of Mace uh, when we talked last year. But now today our discussion, I think, from my perspective, I think it's actually a, a pretty important one because it's a continuation of the discussion we had back in 2019. Now, I find this topic of LOD, level of detail, to be very controversial. And I think it's reason why it's controversial is because it's not very well understood. And that's why we see that the challenges we see in, in the way it's specified or requested from uh, either our uh, asset owners or our, our BIM advisors and information managers. Back in April 2019, we discussed your work on the topic. And, and at that point in time, uh, ISO 19650.1 2018 had just been released. This standard uh, introduced a new term, which is one that you introduced or discussed uh, just as part of our introduction, which is level of information need. This standard within the whole concept of level of information need uh, talks about the availability of different metrics that can be used by industry to explain geometry and information requirements. Now, as I stated a bit earlier, these metrics are, in my opinion, in terms of what's available at market today, uh, are not very well used by industry, and hence the confusion. And, and that's my opinion. I remember as part of our discussion uh, and, and, and a big portion of your PhD research um, was not able to be released because of the work that you were doing uh, about this that might be included in this new potential solution to actually help solve this potential problem. today. I'd like to really kind of touch base or talk to you about a new standard that's out there, uh, a new standard that you have been part of a committee over in Europe to develop uh, called EN 17412.1, Building Information Modelling, Level of Information Need, Part 1, Concepts and Principles. This is, it's great, you know, the other week I was talking to Lars uh, Christian Freudelin about some other standards that have come out about the use of, of how we can standardise information. And it's great to see that we've seen those two new standards released this year. What is this new standard that's, that's just been released? How, how, can, this, how can this standard, uh, you know, what is it about and what's its purpose? As you say, there is a lot of confusion in the industry around this topic and uh, it's, not, it's not really working how we specify information and uh, I advise everyone to go back to the episode five where we had a great talk and I also received a great, great feedback about uh, that podcast so I think it was really a success. So um, what is new with, with, these, with these standards? So um, how we specify information? So... Uh, 
currently um, is not easy to, to get what we want, okay? We produce information and maybe it's too much or uh, too little to achieve what we want. This standard is uh, putting us in the perspective where we can achieve um, a scenario when uh, we are able to get the information that really are relevant for us to uh, make an informed decision. So what is uh, called information management? So all the uh, standard on the ISO 19650 series, but in general, information management is really to, to be more uh, effective and efficient in how we deal with, uh, with information. So this standard at European level, we wanted to uh, standardize this concept around uh, defining how much information we include uh, in our delivery uh, in our models. Um, so the level of information need, I want to start with, with the definition. So is a framework which defines the extent and the granularity of information. And the purpose of the level of information need is to prevent the delivery of too much information. So there is this concept of avoiding waste. So not just the waste of, of the physical thing, but also waste of information. So we need to be mindful and to treat data as an asset, okay? As something valuable that can bring us money. So, um, and if we don't specify in a, in a precise way what we really need and what is give us value, that we are not really working in an efficient way. So these standards is, is there to, um, to help uh, different parties, uh, both, uh, uh, you know, who is to everyone that is asking for information. It can be the asset owner, it can be the, the, the designer, the, the main contractor, but really everyone involved to specify um, how the information should be required. So currently, how we work, uh, we have... Um, we ask, for example, for a particular phase, I would like, you know, during design, I would like for my model or for specific elements, I would like to have LOG, I don't know, 300 and so on. And we put uh, in, um, you know, in a... Um, in a sort of requirements, these sort of numbers. But how then, um, as a designer, uh, for example, we can translate that number with actually the information that we need. You know, is that there is a gap, there is a, a big gap between how we um, define the information and how then we specify and then how we, we check those. So this standard is really to help people to define better th their information. And uh, there are three different aspects. So one is regarding to the, ge the geometrical information, and there are different aspects that are related to geometry. So the first thing is, is the detail. Okay, so how much detail we put uh, in our geometrical representation. And we know that uh, is a continuum range, okay, especially, you know, for the architects that are listening to, uh, to us today, we know that is not uh, like a fixed category that is, oh, simplified, medium, and then uh, high. What, what does it mean? When, what we mean when we say, oh, I want a model that is low detail? You know, if we ask a 10, 10 experts in the room, they will answer in 10 different ways, isn't it, Nathan? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, so, I mean, again, with, with the detail, what, what we would like to, to get from this geometry, and we need to explain to, to people that um, also all the experts that are listening to us uh, and those people that instead they, they don't model themselves, they know that there is a cost associated to the effort that we put in creating the geometrical detail, okay? Because if you want to go to fabrication and to, to want really high, high level of detail, uh, then of course uh, it's related also to different costs that maybe if you if you just want to do quantity takeoff and and then you just want to know there is an object there you don't care really on on the particular geometry um the, the other the the second aspect of the geometrical information is the dimensionality do we want information to be representing everything in 3d or some information are also in 2d other instead maybe are aligned especially when we think about the schematics um, maybe there are some some needs at the beginning of the project that uh, you know uh, some representation are, are 
represented with the line, but still that line can be um, searchable and can be um, measured. Um, another aspect is, is the location. So do we want uh, our object in our models to be, uh, you know, do we want the uh, geolocation of our object or the location is um, relative? So just we want to say that we want an object, for example, in that space, okay? And it's not that we want, for example, that chair is exactly in that uh, geolocation. Uh, um, another aspect of the geometry is the appearance, how it looks like. Um, again, for people that are listening to us, we know that uh, if we want to have a realistic appearance, then maybe you put a lot of effort on that. But maybe for some uses, uh, you know, we, we want to have a symbolic appearance. So, for example, think about uh, hot and cold water. Okay, so you don't want the pipe to be with a realistic appearance. Uh, so, and the final one is the parametric behavior of the geometry, how the geometry can be uh, modified, something that the geometry uh, can be parametric. So there is a possibility to uh, change uh, the, the geometry later on or not. So this is a sort of providing a language to specify your requirements uh, for the geometrical information. Another aspect is the alphanumerical information and uh, is, is easier. So which are the different uh, attributes, the different properties that, that you need. And then the last one is the documentation, which uh, documentation you need in order to achieve your job. I want just uh, to add uh, a, a last remark on, on this. Um, all these uh, level of information in the framework should be linked uh, to what is called a prerequisite, okay? That create a context. First of all, what we were discussing also last time in the episode uh, five, the, the purpose. The purpose is really, really driving the, the need, okay? Because if we want to do energy analysis and then we want to do rendering, then how we define the information and the information that we need are completely different. And then also the, the when, so when we need the, the information, because maybe for the same purpose, a different point of time, we need a different requirements. Think about, you know, cost analysis. Maybe at the beginning we need uh, uh, less information because less are available. And later on when we do an advanced and more detailed cost analysis, then we need more information. Um, and then also the, um, the actor, so who needs to provide the information, and finally the object. With the object, again, uh, I remarked it, it, it doesn't mean that it's the element. It can, it's flexible, can be the system. So maybe you define your information at system level. You can define for the entire building or entire infrastructure and, and, and so on. So that is important to, to have also these prerequisites to define. Wow. That was a uh, Reader's Digest version, Marzia. That was uh, uh, pretty impressive. But so we've got another new standard. And before I start asking you questions about the more pointy questions, I want to probably start at the top end first before we start getting into a bit more detail. We have an existing standard series. So we've got our ISO series of 19650. And we have the terminology of level information need outlined in the, in the first part of that uh, standard series. And it talks about the metrics that, that can be put in place the existing metrics that can be put in place. How does this new standard fit in with the ISO 19650 suite? Yeah, that is a great question. So uh, I want to say that uh, for the first time, the term and the definition level of information need uh, has been included in the ISO 19650 part one. So you can find also in the paragraph 11.2, you know, an extended uh, uh, text that is covering the level of information need. So uh, the, the European work uh, really uh, uh, is aligned with this work and it further develop what is included in, in, in at international level. Um, if you read uh, the ISO 19650, uh, the first thing that, it, that uh, is mentioned is that the level of information need of each information deliverable should be determined according to its purpose. So what does it mean? That you cannot define your information requirements, so your, your level of information need, without first saying why you need the information, the purpose. That is, is, a, big, is a big change, okay? So it's, it's not enough to say, I would like, uh, you know, LOD 300. You say, okay, why you need the information? Okay, first think about what you want to achieve. 
And and um, then there are other uh, topics that are underlined in the in the paragraph in the ISO regarding the level of information need. Um, there is this uh, concept of having just the information that is needed and not more. Uh, there is also, uh, they, they say there that uh, you need to be careful in importing automatically uh, objects from uh, sources uh, in, in your model because this, this can introduce an higher level of information need that was required. So really the concepts are, um, at ISO level in part one of the ISO 19650 I regarding we want to avoid waste of information and we want the definition of the level of information need to be uh, purpose driven. And what is then in the uh, European level that um, uh, I was mentioning before is then to further detail how to specify the geometrical aspect, the alphanumerical aspect, but also the, the documentation. So if you have in front to view uh, the, the standard, maybe you can also refer back to figure 11 uh, when um, there is um, the uh, description of uh, the information management process. And in that diagram, you can see that uh, the information is, is split in three different areas. So there is uh, the documentation, alphanumerical information, and the geometrical information. Um, and what is in the European level is really to give you, a, a, as I was saying, a language to specify those three different aspects that actually are in the ISO. So it's essentially another piece of the puzzle filling out and providing greater detail to industry and also asset owners to get a greater understanding, I guess, to try and remove those 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 inconsistencies that we're facing right now. So, you know, exactly. we, we have the scenarios over in the US where we have the, the um, BIM Forum LOD spec, which is heavily used here in Australia as well. But then in the UK, we with, with the introduction of 1190, BS 1192, which has now been um, retracted. You introduced LOD for level of detail for, to explain geometry and then LOI, uh, which explained level of information which was attached to it, which had a number, a single number integral that went from one to seven, I think from the back of my, from what I can remember. Does this standard... I think that you remember well. <laughs> does, does this new standard essentially supersede any of these other uh, LOD, LOI descriptors, or does it set a framework to then use those existing standards that are out there? I think that uh, we don't have, uh, as always, you know, to throw away the, the good work that has been done in the past. Uh, so, but what is important is to reflect and all of us to be critical thinker and to say, are we really doing the right way? Is this, uh, you know, clear? Is it effective? You know, having just generic numbers is is a uh, putting you also in danger. Also, if you think about a legal framework, so if we specify, I would like uh, LOD uh, 500 according to uh, BIM Forum, if you read actually the LOD um, specification of the, the BIM Forum, LOD 500 is not there at all. It doesn't so, exist. Um, <laughs> no, it doesn't exist. So, so, you know, where is this LOD 500 described? Nowhere, <laughs> okay? So um, is uh, I think that we need is somehow easy just to use these labels um, but uh, um, in reality we needed to um, be mindful and to understand if what is there in the standards that are already in, uh, published and so on is really fit for purpose for us or, or not and is it specific enough to make value of the information that are required. And if this is yes, you know, go ahead and continue to use that. If not, you 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 need to realize that when apply the ISO 19650, but in general, you know, you want to get the information that is, they, they bring value to you. So for example, if you are interested to use the information for facility management later on, you needed to understand how you do, first of all, facility management in your organization. So you need to go back to your processes and try to understand, okay, which are the really the information that I need in order to um, operate my asset, okay, to manage and operate my asset. And then you start from that. And then you start with the end in mind and say, great. So I ask since the beginning, 
um, you know, usually people that do operation and maintenance, they, they need to know where they uh, asset they are, how big they are, if they are still under warranty, when they need to do op- operation and maintenance. These are, you know, few information that uh, is important that are captured because they are so, so important. One thing is also, if you think about the name of the space, that is something that usually we use during operation and maintenance, but is uh, defined and agree early on, you know, by, by the designer at the beginning. So can we require the, a naming convention that actually can be used for operation and maintenance and is not just used for the design and in the construction. So I think that is really this framework is asking people to uh, understand why they want the information and to treat uh, uh, information as an asset that that can bring value to to us. Okay, so it doesn't supersede those existing standards, but it just raises the question to actually get people to think about what they're doing. If you just say, um, I use the ISO 1950 and I continue to, to use uh, LOD 300, then you are not really applying what is there because then he's asking you to define the, the purpose why you need the information. So first of all, you need to say, okay, great. I want to do just class detection and I want, uh, you know, this geometrical information. And maybe you can refer back to, to some work that it is maybe already published somewhere, but you need to be more specific. We take this step, this new standards just released and we've talked about the concepts, I guess, in and around how people have to be more descriptive about what they want. So let's role play a couple of scenarios here and and let's start off in the early phases. I think the first thing that I guess is, you know, we talk about is reducing waste and conversations like this tend to never happen at all probably between consultants or if they do they, they're very kind of or probably too heavily contractual but let's let's talk through the scenario of the architect and the structural engineer and and the benefits that reading this standard might actually play in for them what are your thoughts on on how this would play out so for example you know the architect is rushed on a friday afternoon they uh, have all of their, uh, you know, depending upon your software platform, their views might be set up or their layering systems may be set up to, uh, to send out every single element that's in the project, including all of the, the uh, furniture because the interior designer has been working on it that week. So the model gets sent to the structural engineer. The structural engineer goes to open the model and all the excess information's in there that's of zero relevance to them. <laughs> you know, they, they, their interest is in, you know, specific elements that are going to, you know, add certain loads to the structure or key architectural features in regards to the floor finishes or the floor or the columns where the architect would like the columns to be before the structural engineer signs off on it. So a conversation value uh, early on really high you know what's the what's the benefits for an engineer or an architect to uh, for for either reading the standard or implementing it? Yeah, I think that you you describe perfectly what is happening in reality and the reason why we have this standard now because we want to avoid this situation of waste of energy and effort and created this contract conflict. Um, so yeah, so imagine a world where you uh, open, you know, instead uh, you open your computer and then actually you have just the information that you need uh, as an engineer to get to get started and uh, to do your structural analysis. I was invited uh, some time ago uh, to a presentation of a new workflow, an innovative flow, workflow for structural engineers to use models. And it's so funny because the first step that they, they, they mention is that, oh, first of all, you need to clean up the model with all the elements that are not needed in order to do structural analysis. And I was like, wow, it's really, you know, so efficient, this workflow that the first thing that you need to do is to clean everything because there are too, too much, there is too much information that, that you don't need. These kind of things, can we improve the way that we exchange information? And in order to do that, you need to specify what you want as a structural engineers, having, as you say, uh, Nathan, did this conversation early on to say, okay, I need to do structural uh, analysis. And in order to do that, I need to have 
for example, the walls to be modeled in this way that uh, you don't include also the, 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 the structural element because it's something that I'm going to, to create myself, okay? Or I need to, to have information regarding the, the connection because then is, is where then I create my structural elements. Or maybe I need to, to have information regarding the, the materials of, of the war because then is, is then have the... The, the, there is an impact for me, for me to then uh, calculate the different uh, uh, loads. Or I need to know where the, um, the function of that space, because based on different function, then in my regulation, I need to apply different values for the calculation of, of the different requirements that are there. You know, we need to use this framework to have this conversation later on and say, how you would like the geometry to look like? Do, do you need any geometry at all? That is a, is a question, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, for example, uh, appearance. I don't care about the appearance. So please don't spend time in creating nice looking good uh, oh, representation. No, but it, it just you said that for, for that purpose, you, you can share your information early on because I don't care about the, the appearance for, for me. But then I care more about maybe some, some attributes that for me are relevant. And then if, and so you work together, you say for structural analysis, I need that geometry, I, I need that uh, properties and that alphanumerical information, and I need maybe that documentation, maybe some reports and so on. That's it, okay. And so that that will be ideal. I'm I'm really I really would like to work in an industry that is working in that way. Is the reason why um, you know? Um, but this is not just the the future. So maybe I think that uh, we can also uh, say something re- regarding practical implementation that are already there in the industry. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I think first of all, you've just explained clearly. Well, both of us throughout our kind of monologues have probably explained quite clearly what the benefits for industry would be because we see how much time is spent in handling excessive irrelevant information and data. Say, for example, industry is in a position where it uh, decides to still uh, sit on its hands and and not try to be proactive and and implement these sorts of uh, processes themselves. Is there a way you think in which asset owners could apply this new standard 17.4.12.1 at the start of their projects to try and actually try and achieve some greater efficiencies? Because once the industry recognise that they can save time, which means that they can save money, also means that that could flow through to the asset owners in terms of being able to get better better fee value from their consultants uh, because they're delivering only what the client actually needs instead of uh, just doing additional, putting together additional information just because that's what they've always done. Because that seems to be the case, isn't it? Documentation standards are all people producing documents are just producing documents based upon what they've always done rather than actually having the conversation with the people they're handing it to and saying, you know, what is it you really want? So can it? Yeah. You, can you can you envisage uh, asset owners actually driving it? Uh, totally yes. I mean uh, that is is a great point. I was recently speaking with uh, um, one of the main uh, asset owner uh, in um in, in a country. I will I will not say names, but um it's, it's so interesting because uh, we were having this honest conversation and uh, because it's really important to move away from this hollywood beam when everything is perfect and so on but to be you know practical and uh, um what uh, um what it, it was really interesting of this conversation and uh, this asset owner they starting to uh, require a beam uh, almost uh, 10 years ago Okay, so mm-hmm. quite quite advanced, and they realized recently that uh, all the model that they receive are not fit for purpose. They cannot use any of those to do operation and maintenance. Isn't wow. it a great waste? You nothing, know, nothing like digital um, waste. Exactly, exactly. It's a lot of digital waste, and so they they realize that the, the way that they were requiring information. 
that it was not working, okay? Because uh, um, for, for different reasons. One thing is that because uh, this, this specification were not possible to transfer automatically in the modeling tools, uh, so it was really difficult to transfer those requirements. Another thing, it was uh, a poor checking method, so they were receiving this information from the designer and the contractor, but they were not really checking in an in effective way that what they did they receive was compliant with, with their requirements. So they did this, this work to start from the beginning and, and rethink about what they really need for operation and maintenance. And they came with a shorter data set uh, sort of shorter requirements, but really uh, digitize those requirements to make sure that uh, what they ask, they receive, and they, they can use this information during the entire uh, life cycle. So totally uh, agree with what you were saying, that asset owner should really drive this because it's not just a fashion that if you just ask for BIM, let um, uh, designers and contractors uh, and other parties in the supply chain to, to deliver this to you. Of course, they will implement uh, uh, models that uh, they fit that purpose, okay? Because it can help during the design or they can help during the, the, the size. But they don't, um, they don't have the capabilities to understand what instead is relevant for the asset owner. So if asset owner, they want to get the most from this, they really need to specify which is the level of information need that they require for their point of view. And this is really there to help them. And we are also working on part two and part three at the same time. So part two is on the application. So where uh, there is also um, the... You, you, you will find, uh, for example, also a checklist of the different things that you need to, to follow when implementing these. Uh, and uh, part three is on the data schema. So it's more like on the um, technical application than for different solution to, to, to be used. But it's something that you can start uh, also now to implement the concept the principle in part one without waiting for part two and three, of course. Is there a timeline for part two and three? <laughs> Do you know how far away uh, they might you know, be? Yeah, I mean, uh, standards always, uh, uh, you know, take take longer than what you expected. Um, so I don't have really, uh, I cannot promise, uh, you know, usually it takes, uh, you know, uh, a few years. But uh, um, I think that is not something that needs to stop us to requiring information using constant principles that are in part one, because uh, really is important that if you want to work uh, in, in a better way, we need to start uh, defining our information requirements in, in a more efficient way. So bearing in mind that we don't have access to, because they don't exist yet, the future parts that will come out as part of the standard, is there an ability for people that are listening to this podcast, once they've read the standard, being able to implement uh, the standard within their practice, you know, is there is there a, an ability for them to start that journey now, based upon that the, this first part that's been released? Yeah, yeah, sure. There is consistent principle that can be in, uh, applied. So really, um, in part one, you can find an example in the annex. So it's already there an example to to show you how to to implement. Mm -hmm. And there are in part one, there are also different examples that is uh, guiding you on uh, on on that regard. And uh, there are there are also different uh, guidelines that are that are available. So also, I, I've been author of. Uh, the, um, the UK one, so you can also find for free um, part D of the of the guidelines on the application of the ISO 19650, and where where there is a, a chapter on the level of information need. Also, we have been. Um, working together also with Emma Hooper that I want to thank again also has been your host in another podcast, if I'm not wrong. No, she was. She um, definitely come on. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, so we, we have been preparing a, a database that, that you can have a look is available for, you know, for free as an example of the implementation on of, of this uh, of this framework. Um, so really there is there is material available there on, on the implementation. That's exciting. I, I, I want to rush out and do this straight away. 
So, Marcy, you've talked about the examples that are available uh, through the UK BIM Alliance and the, and the guidelines. Uh, are there any other examples that you could probably talk about in terms that either informed this standard that, you, that you've been part of? Because obviously the research you've done at the start obviously informed this, inform this standard along with other experts in industry. Are there other examples uh, either available or that you've actually been part of that might not be available that that um, that actually demonstrate this implementation? Yeah, sure. It's important to say that it's, it's not just, you know, my work and my effort, but there is a, a group the of experts yeah. from, uh, yeah, it's, it's a team of experts that has been shared what has been done in the past years in, in their countries, especially in this case in Europe. So there are great um, applications so far already that implement the concept and principle of the level of information needs. So uh, some of those that, that I, want, I want to mention that are in a way that is uh, the Stasbik, that is uh, the public owner, that uh, they have been implementing this, this approach now, uh, so defining their information in a, in a better way, in a digital way, starting with the business needs. Also, we have good example also in Luxembourg, where they, they started with the different purposes. So what they need, they need to achieve, and they, they produce also requirements that include the alphanumerical information that is also mapped, for example, with IFC has been a great work. So I advise everyone to, to have a look to that. So alphanumerical, geometrical, and, and, and documentation part. We have also uh, other great example in, uh, in, in Germany, in, in Belgium, in Czech Republic. Also, they are uh, creating a, a database so all the public, uh, uh, projects should follow this approach of defining their information in um, in a better in a better way, uh, as well as uh, in, uh, in in Italy taking into account uh, the um, heritage uh, sector. So understanding which are the information that uh, you need to to ask in order to um, take care of your yeah. yeah restore yeah and and take care of your heritage asset. So yeah, so it's, it's not uh, there. There are a lot of uh, great work there are also different tools that are available already in the market so also on the technology side is, is great i'm not here to, to sell any any software but uh, if you are interested you, you you can get in touch and there are really also an application that is helping you to, to achieve that in a more digital way but as a concept and principle, you can also apply there the, with the low tech. It's not, uh, you know, it's not that you need to you invest uh, on those tools. Of course, if you if you do that kind of investment, that you can have greater benefits. What it demonstrates uh, as an outcome from this is that if people in the supply chain, so let's starting at the asset owners level, and for asset owners that are listening to the podcast today, if they don't invest themselves up front in understanding and documenting what their level of information needs are, and yes, that involves a bit of effort and energy before a project starts, then there's a great opportunity that they may end up with uh, information that's excessive and not to their needs and actually cost them more than what it would have done otherwise. Absolutely. And hopefully for our consultants or contractors out there today that are listening, it gives them an opportunity for them to sit back and actually take a bit more notice about what information they need at what time and how it's delivered and how it's procured uh, to then therefore essentially lean up their processes to reduce excess digital waste and the time it takes to actually create, which is, you know, sometimes it's quite excessive for, for some things. From my perspective, that's probably the key takeaway from this standard and, and our discussion today and hopefully creating a little bit more certainty uh, in and around the way in which asset owners or their representatives in information managers are creating the documentation suites for their AIRs and the EIRs uh, for for their clients in terms of what information actually needs to be delivered moving into the future. And I'm assuming that's the, the overall goal with this standard. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's really is for um, everyone that is uh, asking for information to have a framework to define better what, what they need. Now, one cheeky question for you. Now, when you presented at Brisbane back in 2019, and you did so remotely from uh, London, and there was a number of presentations I know you were doing around that time where 
you were using acronyms and you introduced an acronym called LOIN. Now, talking to May uh, Winfield about this a little while ago, she was saying, I've told Marcy she's got to stop using that acronym. <laughs> Are you still using the acronyms or, or what's the go? No, that is funny. Um, I mean, I received so many jokes for that. and uh, But this is not my fault. I, actually, I want to say to everyone that I didn't create the the term level of information need. It, it was not myself. No, actually, for me, it's... <laughs> I don't, I don't know either. I think that people, they, they want to start a sh- a shorter, uh, you know, different terms uh, to make it, instead of, you know, they are lazy in writing, so they want to have acronyms. Uh, and then, uh, you know, there was um, my, my my colleague from, from the UK, they told me, do you do you know, Marta, really what, what loin means? And then when they explained me, I was like uh, desperate about that. And uh, um there is one thing that industry people they they like to have acronyms, but in reality, and especially in this case, we know that how much acronym they can create confusion. Yes, one right. is you know the 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 biggest one is is beam. You know, a lot of people they put a different uh, different uh, meanings to that, and the same with with loin. So there was uh, at the beginning we were in, in introducing in the first draft, but then uh, it was a collective uh, uh, the decision. To, to remove that because we don't want people to again to then move from LOD and then to say, oh, you just need to change the, the, the word with law and then you continue the same way. It's not like that, okay? So it's not, you, you cannot say, I would like law in 300. What, what does it mean? <laughs> no, it's, it's not, you know, it doesn't make any sense, okay? So is the reason why now uh, we don't, you know, we don't use any acronym. So it's really about level of information need, but it really is about which information regarding the geometry do you need? Which alphanumerical information do you need? Which documentation you need? It's really to, because if we work in that way and we are better in specifying our information, then also we can allow a digital workflow where you are able to, now, first of all, to create information um, in a more accurate way, and then to check if what you get is is what you wanted. Because if you if you ask, I would like LOD as as we were saying before, LOD four hundred, and then how can you check that what you get is LOD for four hundred? So difficult. If instead you say, I would like to to have my walls with those properties because I need to achieve that particular purpose that is, I don't know, energy analysis, and then you, which is the data set that you need. So I, I need, for example, the transmittance values and, and so on, acoustic rating and so on. And then it is, it is easier to check that what you receive actually um, includes what you were asking for. So, yeah, so no more acronyms. Uh, well, I had an interesting conversation with Don Cameron about that in the future of BIM in five years' time a couple of episodes ago and we were talking about what new acronyms are going to be around but and my hate of acronyms. So <clears throat> it's very nice to see uh, you're holding strong on this one and, and, and avoiding the acronyms. Now, I'm going to go back to something now and... Uh, it's the, the standard question, the standard final question I ask everyone. And the thing is I haven't gone back and listened to your answer specifically, but I do enjoy comparing the experiences of experts in the industry and the difference of what this meaning means to them over a reasonable period of time because as we're all aware, as time goes by, we learn more, but then as we learn more, we realise that we know less. So the more educated we become, the, we realise that we actually don't know as much as we thought we knew. So as of uh, today, Marcia, what does BIM mean to you? <laughs> it's funny because I didn't uh, hear back what I, I, <laughs> I answered last time. So uh, it would be interesting to compare the two. But uh, I think that, I think that the, the, the first, uh, you know, um, things that comes to my mind is really about better information management is maybe something that uh, I maybe answered the, the, the last time. Um, but I think that uh, after this, uh, you know, time that, as I say, that you you learn more, but also there are more, more things that uh, maybe you want also to, to do to implement. I think that uh, it's really about finding a way to define and uh, pr- produce and use uh, information during the entire life cycle in a better way. 
What I want to underline this time is the ethical use of data and the security aspect. So I think that we need to work on that, on this direction. We are all excited about uh, in, in innovating our sector. And uh, I'm, I'm passionate about that. I think that you, you you understand that. But we needed to do in a way that digital is there to support the public good and and not to uh, instead be used against us. So also in the construction sector. So I see building information modeling that is important that we work in the direction where data are used to do more informed the decision for the public good and not instead to be used to control us uh, because that is is not the word that uh, we want to be so maybe can be a, a discussion for another podcast maybe in the future but i think that we needed to to be mindful of uh, of that and so um to be able to do things uh, in a in an easier way and to have more time to to be spent for what we we love well it sounds like you're promoting another one of my episodes with the conversation i had with nathan jones about secure bim really yeah, well, the, yeah. the other problem is is that there are also clients out there that are just specifying project must be delivered in accordance with ISO 19650.5 and you just go yeah. yeah, and they haven't done their part to actually advise what their requirements are. So it's very important that that's where they start and I do believe your answer is different from last year. But I, I have managed to brainwash a lot of people and just get them all to convinced that better information management actually is the answer. But thank you very much for your time, Marcia. Thank you. Thank you for your, your work. It's amazing. So speak to you next time. So for more information on what Marcia and I discussed today, please head to our website for further reading and to get to the links uh, to the standards and uh, the guidelines from the BIM uh, UK Alliance, I think it's called. This is our last podcast for 2020. So there won't be a podcast in a fortnight's time. So for those that are only just listening to this podcast now, you have the Christmas break to go back and listen to the whole back catalogue of the last 30 episodes. But until next year, good luck with your digital transition. For more information, or if you'd like to continue the discussion in the comments section, head over to our website, thedigitaltransition.com. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on our future podcasts. Digital transition.